I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Welcome to this podcast of The People's Pharmacy. You can find previous podcasts and more information on a range of health topics at peoplespharmacy.com. How do you measure health? The original technology was simple, a scale and a thermometer. How have things changed? This is The People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. Today we have dozens of devices and tools that can help us track our well-being. There are home blood pressure monitors, continuous glucose monitors, and even portable electrocardiograms in your wristwatch. Step counters and heart rate monitors encourage people to track their activity. Have you used other tools to help you stay healthy? Our lines are open for your calls and questions about devices and apps that may help you stay on track. 919-962-3366. Coming up on the People's Pharmacy, home tech to improve your health. In the People's Pharmacy health headlines, COVID is back. That's the word from many different locations around the U.S. There's been an uptick in hospitalizations in Philadelphia, New York City, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, San Antonio, and many other places. Last summer, we were averaging 45,000 hospitalizations around this time. This year, hospitals are reporting a bit more than 10,000 hospitalized COVID patients. The dominant variant is EG.5, recently dubbed Eris. EG.5 is a descendant of Omicron, which caused a lot of trouble last year. Older people seem especially vulnerable to this new variant. Public health authorities are playing down the danger, but they are urging older people to consider the new vaccine when it becomes available this fall. Semaglutide is one of the hottest drugs in the pharmacy. You may recognize the brand names Otsampic for diabetes and Wegovi for weight loss. Anesthesiologists in Canada and the U.S. are raising the alarm if patients on these medications require anesthesia for surgery. Normally, surgeons warn their patients to fast the day before surgery. That's to prevent regurgitation and aspiration during sedation. When patients inhale stomach contents, it can create life-threatening lung complications. Semaglutide can slow stomach emptying. Doctors call this gastroparesis. Another way of thinking about it is stomach paralysis. Normally, the stomach should empty within two to four hours of a meal. With semaglutide on board, however, some people still have solid food in their stomachs 10 to 18 hours later. The Canadian anesthesiologists are recommending that people undergoing elective surgery stop Osempic or Wegovi injections at least three to four weeks before the procedure. People with diabetes will need alternative ways to control their blood sugar. Proton pump inhibitors are also very popular medications. They work by shutting down the production of stomach acid. Nexium, Prevacid, and Prilosec are now available without prescriptions. Questions have been raised, however, about the long-term safety of these drugs. The latest controversy has to do with cognitive dysfunction. As long ago as 2010, scientists were concerned about a possible link to dementia, but a number of systematic reviews did not reveal a significant association between PBIs and cognitive decline. A new study published in the journal Neurology found that people who used these acid suppressors for more than about four and a half years were at a 38% higher risk of developing dementia. Association is not causation, though, and the absolute risk was not high. Nevertheless, people taking these drugs without prescription should observe the limitations recommended on the label and not take them for longer than two weeks every four months. Another risk factor for dementia is air pollution. 
researchers reviewed data from more than 27,000 volunteers over age 50 for almost two decades. People exposed to the highest levels of particulates in air, especially those originating from wildfires and agricultural sources, were at increased risk for developing dementia. The smaller the particles, the greater the danger. Scientists hypothesize that these tiny particles in the lungs cause systemic inflammation that may also affect the brain. Smoke from wildfires is becoming increasingly pervasive. Air purifiers, high-efficiency filters, and other air-cleaning strategies may be needed to protect people from this hazard. A 10-year study shows that intensive lifestyle intervention to improve type 2 diabetes also improves people's ability to get a job and earn a living. The volunteers were between 45 and 75 years old at the start of the study. They were provided with exercise trainers, dietitians, and behavioral therapists. The control group participated in group-based diabetes education sessions three times a year. In the intervention group, people not only got healthier, they also had 3% higher employment. And that's the health news from the People's Pharmacy this week. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. I'm a medical anthropologist. And I'm Joe Graydon. I'm a pharmacologist. Today, we're discussing the tests, tech, and tools you use at home to improve your health. In a bit, we'll open the phone lines for your questions and stories. Our number is 919-962-3366. But first, let's hear from Dr. Alan Green, a pediatrician and the founder of DrGreen.com, the pioneer physician website. He's founding president of the Society for Participatory Medicine and author of Feeding Baby Green and From First Kicks to First Steps. His first children's book, Flower Moon, was published in 2023. Welcome back to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Alan Green. Terry, it's wonderful to be back. Always a delight to talk with you and Joe. Uh, Any chance I can get. Well, we're always thrilled to talk with you, Dr. Green. You know, Things have changed dramatically since the old days. You know, we used to go to the doctor's office for virtually all testing. The only things that we could do at home were take our temperature, often with an old-fashioned mercury thermometer, and maybe get on the scale and see how much we weighed. Everything else, it was kind of mysterious. You know, a nurse might take your blood pressure, but that was even a little strange because usually a she was using a stethoscope nowadays, wow, sky's the limit. Tell us how it's all changed and what kind of a difference it's making. Well, it's changed very quickly, as you've noted. Interestingly, back at the beginning, when people started having thermometers at home to take their own temperature, there was a bit of an outcry because patients couldn't be trusted with the information that they got from thermometers that might make a mistake. And and that hesitance has carried forward today where some people are still concerned about patients having too much information. But now all kinds of things are available in patients' hand to continuously monitor health. And that's both things from the doctor's office. Um, it used to be that you didn't get to see your own lab results uh, not that long ago. You had to, you were told they were normal or not. And now you get actual the right to see all of your labs and be able to figure out what they mean um, to things that you can have at home to monitor yourself. All kinds of instruments that are available from continuous blood glucose monitoring. So you can see how what you eat changes your metabolism and, and how you're burning sugar and burning fat. Uh, ketone monitors, the aura ring that where you get, get real body measurements throughout the day, all kinds of things. Before you go any further, spell that, please, and tell us what does it monitor? Uh, it's spelled O-U-R-A. Uh, I just got from my Aura app, a congratulations on seven and a half years of using your Aura Wing. So I've, I've been using it for a long time now. And um, it checks three big categories every day. Um, one is your sleep, and it tells you a lot about your sleep. Uh, another is your physical activity, and likewise, it tells you a lot about your physical activity. 
and what it calls your readiness, which is a combination of your oxygen levels, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, and a bunch of other factors there. So it gives you a real sense what's going on in your body. And and Dr. Green, you called it a ring. Does it look like a ring? Do you wear it like a ring? Yes, I wear it like a ring. It's on my, my hand all the time. You can wear it on whichever finger you want. It's sized like a ring would be sized. And it comes in different colors. Mine is matte black, but you can get shiny ones or metal ones or uh, different designs. But you wear it like a ring. I keep it on all the time except for when I shower, and that's when I charge it. And so it's always charged. Now, you mentioned oxygen. And, you know, COVID has had a huge impact because all of a sudden people are using an oximeter to measure their oxygen saturation. And you're suggesting that this ring can do much the same. And then along came self-testing for COVID. And that was like, whoa, how is that possible? Well, not only was it possible, but everybody was doing it. And Now there's even an influenza test, which would be very helpful, I think, for parents to be able to test and see if their child has type A influenza or type B, because then a doctor such as yourself could actually call in a prescription for an anti-flu medicine. Exactly. And there's even home strep tests now, too. Really? How does that work? Uh, You swab the back of your throat, and not everybody is great at swabbing, but uh, you put a in a little test tube with a couple of drops and put a strip in and you get, read the results in five minutes. And if it's positive, it's really positive. If it's negative, you might not have just swabbed the right spot. How do you, as a physician, use that test in your practice? Well, strep is something that should be treated with antibiotics quickly to prevent the complications of strep, which there are a number of those. And so I have families that I take care of that are traveling or not able to get to the office for one reason or another that have the test with them and are able to test quickly. And then we'll jump on the phone or on a video chat and figure out what the next steps are. Now, back to the oxygen. Is that a useful thing that Ura Ring can monitor your oxygen saturation? Yes, uh, it's useful for a couple of reasons. It could alert you to sleep apnea at night since it's monitoring it all night long. Uh, And it can also alert you to something like COVID. When you're getting a viral infection, the vital signs start to change. For me, the first thing that changes is heart rate variability. And then I can take proactive steps to deal with something before I even have noticeable symptoms. Why is heart rate variability so important? It's a measure of, so the heart rate is changing slightly all the time. It's really having some difference in the time between beats is a sign of a healthy heart that's flexible and responding to all the signals in your body appropriately. And when the heart rate variability decreases, it means your body is less flexible because it's focused on something else. And it's a, a really good sign that there's a new stressor that your body's dealing with. Having heart rate variability low consistently can be a sign of long-term issues, but just day-to-day changes make a big difference in understanding what's happening. Now, Dr. Green, there are also now uh, devices that are designed to measure your heart rate. um, And for example, lots of us have watches Mm -hmm. that will tell us how quickly our hearts are beating and they'll show us, you know, how much we were able to get our heart rate up during um, exercise and how quickly it recovered after we stopped exercising. And it's my understanding there are also machines that can actually do an EKG at home. Is this useful? Um, Yes, that can be quite useful. Uh, There are uh, devices like the one from what used to be called the LiveCore. Now it's called Cardia, K-R-D-I-A. It's handheld. And the Apple Watch can do an EKG as well. And it's particularly useful for seeing a change in rhythm. So somebody, uh, I know people who have found that they were in AFib because of one of these home devices. Why is that important? Because it's my understanding there are a lot of people who don't know that they even have an arrhythmia, an irregular heartbeat like AFib. Right. And the fact that people don't know they have it is why it's so important to have these home monitoring tests, because 
when you're in AFib, even though you're not feeling any symptoms, the atrium, the, the entry chamber of the heart, isn't contracting normally. And so blood can pool there or clot. And then with a little clot in the atria and one squeeze of the heart, it can shoot it up into the brain and cause a stroke. So the stroke risk is greatly elevated in people with AFib, even if they don't know they have it. And if you know, you can take steps to get out of AFib or take preventive medications to prevent clotting. Now, there's this whole issue around testing for cancer. And you've, I am sure, seen the commercials for Cologuard. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who go, yeah, I don't want to go in for a colonoscopy. That's really a big deal. Can I actually do a stool test? And how accurate are they? Uh, the cologuards are, are quite sensitive at, de at detecting colon cancer early. Um, it's not as good as a colonoscopy, but if done more frequently, it can reduce the need for frequency of, of colonoscopies. Uh, very useful information. And then my understanding is if you got a positive result on your cologuard, then, then your right. doctor would want to do a colonoscopy to confirm it, locate the polyp, et cetera. Exactly. Now, Dr. Green, you're a pediatrician. Back in the ancient days when my kids were little, I acquired, I was very proud of myself, I acquired an otoscope because my kids yes. got ear infections from time to time. And I was one of a handful of parents who used an otoscope. Do your patients' parents use an otoscope? Uh, yes, a number of them do. The kind that I use now is perhaps similar to the handheld one that you had a long time ago, but probably much better optics now than it used to be. But mine are Bluetooth-enabled. Um, the one I'm currently using is a kit called Dr. Graham. Um, and the, they have a clinical quality otoscope with them, and they can look and see and take photos of the inside of the ear. But I can look with them at the same time through the app on my phone. So we can discuss it and see what they're seeing. So I can look in kids' ears anywhere on the planet right now. Oh, that's amazing. Dr. Green, we've been hearing about something called a continuous glucose monitor, and you mentioned it. What does that do, and what are the advantages over the usual way that people with diabetes use to check their blood sugar? Well, there, there's a few ways that it's nice. So people who have diabetes and are used to checking their blood sugar often get used to, but clearly don't like poking themselves all the time to get a test. And the continuous monitors um, go on painlessly once, and will stay on for weeks at a time. Uh, and um, besides being more comfortable, your blood sugar changes continuously throughout the day. And the spot checks missed so much information on the curves. And the continuous ones, you can see how you respond to exercise, how you can respond to what you eat. Most people learn surprising things about uh, components of their diets that are affecting their blood sugars in unhealthy or healthy ways. Well, you know what was so fascinating to us was an interview we did with Dr. Elenoff in Israel, and he discovered that some people react very badly to things like mashed potatoes mm -hmm. and ice cream, and other people don't. In other words, it's a very individual thing, what we react to with elevations in blood glucose. And the only way you can actually know that is with this kind of continuous monitoring. And then when you see how dramatic that spike in blood sugar is, you can go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that chocolate bar. Exactly. And I don't recommend them just for people with diabetes. I think it'd be great for for most people to try it at least for a couple of weeks and see what's going on with their blood sugar in response to different things. Because why wait until you have the pathology for having eaten the wrong thing for a long time? Why not learn in advance? There's so many good foods and delicious foods that won't cause a problem to the individual. Might as well learn to focus on those. Now, I do want to ask about a very, very simple old-fashioned technology that a lot of people use, but some people may misuse it, and that is the scale in your bathroom to measure your weight. Tell us about the advantages and the potential downside of weighing yourself every day. 
So knowing your weight and how your weight is trending is really valuable. When you are aware of it, you tend to make better choices in general. Um, there's a couple potential downsides though. Some people focus too much on their weight, especially eating disorders have increased quite a bit recently since COVID. And if that's a, a tendency for, for someone, they may not want to be weighing daily. But the other thing is it's very easy to misinterpret because like we talked with continuous blood glucose monitors, episodic monitoring may miss something completely. You may have water shifts today that have nothing to do with putting on fat or losing fat. So if somebody is going to weigh every day, I recommend an app called TrendWeight. And it does a rolling average of all your weights. And you, you, get, you can see if today you are above or below where your trend suggests you should be. So there are days that, that you lose weight but are actually gaining on the scale. You lose weight today on the scale but actually are in a trend of gaining or that you have gained a little bit of weight on the scale, but are actually on the right trend of losing that you want to do. And seeing the trend gives you much better, quick visual information. Dr. Green, if there's one metric that physicians really rely on for a lot of folks, especially middle-aged and older people, it's blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And blood pressure monitors have changed dramatically since you were in medical school. The old mercury sphygmomanometer and the stethoscope. Now we have automated devices. In fact, I just tested a device from Omron that you wear literally like a watch. And it's hard to believe that it could be so effective, but this is a very expensive device. It's $500, but it is amazingly accurate. And because it's with you at all times, you can measure your blood pressure under all kinds of circumstances. Why is blood pressure monitoring important? Like the AFib monitoring, blood pressure can be damaging your blood vessels without you being aware that you have it. You don't feel sick. You don't have a headache. You don't have any physical awareness of it. And it can still be predisposing you towards significant heart disease or stroke risk. And, and it's slow over time. So knowing what your blood pressure is and how it's trending is very, very valuable. The problem is it's a bit of a pain to do it. And like the other things we're talking about with measurements, it changes normally throughout the day. It can change what you're thinking about and, and you, you want to understand trends. So with the traditional, with the blood pressure machines, like an Omron that people have at home, the very best way to do it is to take your blood pressure twice a day for two weeks in a row at about the same time. And that will give you a sense, the average of all those, a sense of what a reasonable average of what your blood pressure is to make decisions based on. But I am really looking forward to continuous blood pressure monitoring. And Apple has announced in their, their Apple Watch 10X that's coming out, um, they'll, they'll be able to do that. I've been looking forward to that for quite some time. And what's so exciting is that then you can get a graph, you can get a chart, you can monitor over yep. weeks and months and see your progress. So summing up, Dr. Green, this revolution in home testing and technology, good thing, worrisome, what's the future? <laughs> well, it, there, there are things to worry about, but at the core, this is a fantastic thing. Healthcare used to be episodic and missed many of the, the most important moments for, for healthcare decisions. And now it can be continuous. And this can be used to empower patients to take charge of their own life and to connect them to their healthcare provider. Dr. Alan Green, thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today. Terry and Joe, thank you so much for The People's Pharmacy. It's a, an amazing service. You've been listening to pediatrician Alan Green. In 1995, he launched drgreen.com. He's the founder of La Conexion and the founding president of the Society for Participatory Medicine. He has a kid's book out now, Flower Moon. Our lines are open for your questions and comments. 919-962-3366. Email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. We're talking about tech and tools and tests. We want to hear from you. 919-962-3366.
You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Gaia Herbs. For more than 30 years, Gaia Herbs has nurtured the connection between people and plants to deliver nature's vitality. Their full-spectrum formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial to get in the way. Learn more at GaiaHerbs.com. That's G-A-I-A Herbs.com. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. This, national, this is National Wellness Month. Adding cocoflavanols to your daily routine can help with a strong heart and cognitive support. How can Cocovia be a part of your wellness habits? More information at cocovia.com. Today we're talking about home tests, tech, and tools to improve your health. We'd like to hear from you. Do you check your blood pressure at home? What about blood sugar? What about COVID? How well did home testing work for you? Would you be interested in the combined COVID-19 and influenza home test? Our lines are open for your stories and questions at 919-962-3366. You can also send us email, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And that phone number again, 919-962-3366. And Terry, we have an email from Zach in Blacksburg... Virginia. Virginia. Yes. Zach says, I own about six different medical devices. However, my Fitbit has a built-in heart rate sensor, heart rate variability, skin conduction, and of course, an accelerometer. I try to buy FDA-approved devices so that my doctor can legally consider their measurements on a telehealth call. It's pretty crazy. When I first got into my health in 2016, I seriously considered a tool to measure heart rate variability variability. That was the only thing it would do. At the time, it was $300. Now, it's built into my Fitbit. Thanks so much for that, Zach. Thank you, Zach. And Terry, we have a call coming in from Marie in Clear Spring, Maryland, and she wants to know about the Fitbit. Well. Let's see if we can do this. Marie, welcome to the People's Pharmacy. Thank you. What's up? How safe is it to wear a Fitbit or one from the Apple store? You mean like uh, an Apple Watch, right? Right. How safe is it to be wearing something like that for 24 hours a day? Well, what's your concern? I mean, what, what, what are you worried about? Because I've been wearing an Apple Watch now for what, Terry? About mm, um, eight years? Something, something like, like that. that. About as long as um, Dr. Green has been wearing his Aura. O U R A ring, and um, and, and, and you know I, I had a Fitbit for a while, and then it stopped working, and I moved to the Apple Watch. So Marie, if if there were something that we knew about that was dangerous about it, you can bet that Joe would not be wearing it because he's he's kind of um... a low risk kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, for me, Marie, the information that I get from my Apple Watch is just invaluable. I mean, for one thing, it tells me how much I'm walking. And, you know, I try to get 10,000 steps every day, but I don't always manage that. But it reminds me. And that's, I think, what a Fitbit does. Now, have you ever tried any of these devices or are you just a little worried about them? Oh, I haven't tried any of them. Technology scares me. And I'll t- I'm wondering what it does to your body. And also, where else is the information going? Well, I understand that. But I don't share the information with anybody through any kind of electronic. You could. You, you can. You, you have the choice. You can decide um, whether you want to share the information and obviously, Zach is sharing his information with his physician. Um, 
but you don't have to share the information. So it's really something, um, Marie, we appreciate your concerns. We're not aware of any dangers, but it does make sense to be to be somewhat careful. Yeah. And if someone listening has some data to suggest there is a danger, we would love to hear from you. Our lines are open. That number is 919-962-3366. You can always send us an email. Our email address is radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And that number again, 919-962-3366. And we're going to Joseph in Raleigh. Joseph, what's your what's on your mind? Well, I've started um, really watching my blood pressure, um, taking medication and trying to get the right dose. And I take my blood pressure, you know, multiple times per day. And I'll, I'll sit down and I'll take the blood pressure and maybe it'll come out like 140 over 85 or something like that. And then I'll take it again to see, you know, if it's consistent. And it'll be like 120. And then I'll do it again, and it'll be 117. The, um, the, the uh, diastolic tends to stay consistent, but the systolic changes rapidly. And I don't know whether it's a factor of my body reacting to both the process of taking it or whether it's just the uh, device. Well, Joseph, that's so a that's really – it's a wonderful question, and it does, in fact, raise – two issues. One is the variability of the equipment. And let's face it, the the devices are not all created equal. In, in fact, not all the devices that are sold for as home blood pressure m- monitors are FDA approved, right? Precisely. Uh, we happen to be fond of the Omron, O-M-R-O-N devices. Consumer Reports consistently rates them very highly, and they appear to be quite accurate. But my guess is that if your doctor were to measure your blood pressure or, or somebody in the doctor's office, there would also be a fair amount of variability. And I think what you're revealing is that our blood pressure changes all the time. So if you see that blue light in your rear view mirror and there's a policeman behind you, there's a very good chance that your blood pressure will go up. Ditto if there were a, a bear behind you. You would, you would want to start running and your blood pressure would probably shoot up. And ditto if you were fast asleep at two in the morning and just being very peaceful, your blood pressure would probably be fairly low Whereas if you were having a nightmare, it would be probably pretty high. So it's going to change on a routine basis. The question is, is your device accurately measuring your blood pressure? And you could always take it into the doctor's office and have them measure simultaneously and see how it compares. Thank you so much for the call. So we are talking about devices today. Do you test your blood sugar? You know, it used to be you'd have to prick your finger and have a little strip and, and, you know, monitor it that way. Today, there are continuous blood glucose monitors. And some people who don't have diabetes are doing this just to see, as Dr. Green suggested, how your diet, what food you're eating is impacting your, your blood glucose. And you can just test them by holding your your smartphone up to this little device that's attached to your arm, and it will give you an instant readout. We got an email, Joe, from Alice, who wants to know if the current home tests for COVID are able to detect the latest strain of COVID-19, Eris. And so we asked Dr. Green, who said the current home tests, this is, this is what the doctors are, are being told, the current home tests, if the swabbing is appropriate, should pick up Eris, perhaps as early as the second day after exposure. He has seen some false negatives, though. But when he followed up on that, the tests had expired. All of these home tests for COVID have expiration dates printed on them. You have to pay attention to that. Get rid of them if they're old. Have you been using a COVID test at home? Again, we'd love to hear from you about your use of tech and tools and tests. 
Our number is 919-962-3366. And you can email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. That number again, 919-962-3366. And Terry, I have an email from Grace speaking about blood pressure. Grace says, I'd say that my blood pressure is taken incorrectly at least 40% of the time by the medical assistants and nurses at my PCP, my primary care provider, resulting in readings that are too high. When I ask for it to be retaken, it's always lower. They use a manual extra large cuff on everyone every time, but never wait and don't always have my arm at heart level. My readings taken at home are always significantly lower. Well, Grace has sent a number of points here about the correct way to take, to measure blood pressure to get an accurate reading. And the size of the cuff is very important. Well, there was just a study, Terry. Where was it published? JAMA Internal Medicine, I do believe, in which it demonstrated that a surprising number of doctor's offices don't actually measure the circumference of your arm. And so if you have a larger arm and you are using a standard blood pressure cuff, it will raise your blood pressure substantially, inaccurately. And I think in that study, it showed that the people who were showing up with a systolic blood pressure of 144 when they really had a blood pressure of 129. Right. And that's a big difference, a big enough difference that your doctor might put you on medication that you didn't need. So how should you measure blood pressure if you're measuring it for yourself at home? Well, first, you better make sure you have the right size cuff. And um, you can do this quite easily. Uh, I'm going to give you the numbers, but, you know, we should post these on our website. Uh, a small person, a small adult size cuff should be 10.2 inches or less. A regular adult size cuff should be 10.2 to 13.4 inches in circumference. A large adult size cuff is 13.4 to 17.3 inches. And an extra-large adult cuff would be over 17.3 inches. It matters. When was the last time you had your arm circumference measured before you had your blood pressure taken? That has never happened to me. Now, it may be because I walk in and they look at me and they eyeball me and say, oh, you're an average size. Um, you get the average cuff. So you get the average but cuff. But I, I suspect that very few people have ever had their arm circumference measured, and it matters. What else? We'll, we'll get to some of this in our next segment, but what are some of the other things people should be doing when they go to the doctor's office to have their blood pressure monitored? Well, you want to empty your bladder first. Really? It turns out it makes a difference. Not something I usually think about. And I, I wonder if anybody has ever asked. Probably not. What else? Well, theoretically, you're supposed to take that blood pressure twice with some time in between, not a few seconds, but, you know, several minutes, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And then you use the average of those two readings because, as our caller just pointed out, they're different. The other thing is that you should wait before you have your blood pressure monitored. So in other words, somebody comes, gets you in the waiting room, they take you back and they immediately weigh you and they shortly thereafter take your blood pressure. You should be able to sit quietly for five to 10 minutes before your blood pressure is taken. Okay, here's another thing. You actually need a lot of support for a proper blood pressure measurement. You need to be sitting in a chair with back support. Your feet should be on the floor, not dangling. And there should be an armrest so that your arm can be supported, preferably at heart level. You shouldn't have to hold it up. That's important. Absolutely. And you should not be talking. That's really critical. If the nurse or the doctor or the technician is asking you how your day is going what you're up to, uh, and you're talking while your blood pressure is being measured, it will raise your blood pressure. So those are just a few of the tips when you're doing it at home 
follow the same advice. If you'd like to join the conversation, the number is 919-962-3366. And again, you can email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. Where to, Terry? Well, I think Vivian has a concern. Vivian is in Esmont, Virginia. Vivian? Hi. Hi. Go ahead, please. Yeah, um, I just wanted to bring up a different context for the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, first of all, I love People Pharmacy. It's such a great service. Thank you, Vivian. But, yeah, um, my concern immediately is that all these great technology gadgets are out there, but there's a huge population that can't even afford them. It's just not right. an option mm-hmm. for many people, and they are they don't have a, the choice of maybe I should get a cardio maybe i should get a fitbit you know because they those all of them are expensive um yeah so i just kind of wanted to bring that context into the conversation and not sure don't expect you guys to know but just wondering if there you know if there are any resources or is this something perhaps for example even me could talk to my doctor and say and ask them do they know of any discounted or reputable things that are great, but maybe not cost as much as the name brand. Thank you. Vivian, that is a super question, a super point. There are some some technologies that are a little less expensive than others, and it depends on what you're trying to do. So there are some blood pressure monitors, even some that have that FDA certification, that are not as expensive as the latest and greatest models. I think if you check Consumer Reports, you'll discover that you can get a very accurate blood pressure monitor, maybe not with all the bells and whistles, for about 25 bucks. And if you have diabetes, I believe that your doctor can prescribe a glucose monitor, and most insurance companies and Medicare, and I suspect Medicaid, will pay for them because that's critical information. Anybody with diabetes or even pre-diabetes should be monitoring their blood glucose on a regular basis. So it's a, it's a really important point because some of these devices cost hundreds of dollars, but some of the basics are affordable. Right. And it, it really is something that you would probably need to discuss with your doctor, as, as Vivian suggested, to say, how can I do this at home affordably? Exactly. Now, I have an email from Cindy, and Cindy brings up a really important point. She asks, what about white coat hypertension in which a person's blood pressure rises simply because he or she is in a doctor's office? Added to that, battling traffic, trying desperately to make it there on time and then searching for parking This can raise the blood pressure significantly. Although my blood pressure is low, it's often measured 50 points higher because of these factors. Yes, I'm excitable, plus I'm always running late. Oh, sounds a little like you, Joe. (laughs) And, And you have white coat hypertension. It sounds like Cindy does also. Yes, and that's, again, another reason why having a blood pressure monitor at home you know, you don't have to measure it every day. You don't have to measure it every other day, but you should be measuring it on a regular basis. So 919-962-3366, if you would like to join the conversation about home tests and tech and tools to improve your health. We are also going to be talking about some blood tests that you can do at home. You know, we've talked on the People's Pharmacy about LP little a. It is a very significant risk factor for heart disease. Believe it or not, you can actually have your blood tested in a laboratory and find out what your cholesterol is and your LPA little a is. So these are really interesting data points. 919-962-3366. You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Coco Via 
maker of the most proven and concentrated flavanol extract in the market today, Cocoa Pro, Cocoa Extract. August is National Wellness Month, which means it's a great time to refocus on self-care and healthy habits. Consider adding clinically proven cocoa flavanols to your daily regimen. Whether you're looking to support your heart health or brain health this summer, you can achieve your goals with Cocovia. All Cocovia supplements contain the number one bioactive flavanols, CocoPro, backed by 20 years of research. These powerful bioactive nutrients are clinically proven to promote cardiovascular health and improve cognitive function as you age. Get 20% off all Cocovia products from August 21st through September 5th using the discount code WELLNESSPOD. That's wellness. W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-P-O-D, Wellness Pod at CocoVia.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. This National Wellness Month, adding cocoflavanols to your daily routine can help with a strong heart and cognitive support. How can Cocovia be a part of your wellness habits? More information at cocovia.com. Today, we are talking about home tests and tools you can use to track your health. A little while ago, we spoke with Dr. Steve Nissen. He's the chief academic officer of the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, and he holds the Lewis and Patricia Dickey Chair in Cardiovascular Medicine. Dr. Nissen is the co-author with Mark Gillinoff of Heart 411, the only guide to heart health you'll ever need. Dr. Nissen, an old colleague of yours, Dr. Eric Topol, has been a big promoter of monitoring, whether it's monitoring blood pressure, monitoring your heart, or even monitoring things like glucose. What do you think about patients keeping track of what's going on in their bodies with such devices? Well, I'm not a fan. Um, you know, it can certainly be overdone. Uh, not all the devices that are marketed to do this are particularly accurate. And overvigilance can be as problematic as undervigilance. You know, we've learned over the years not to go looking for trouble. If you look for trouble, you're likely to find it. Now, that being said, it's reasonable to know your blood pressure. It's reasonable to know what your blood sugar is, but I don't think people need to be frenetic about doing so. And frankly, I've seen people drive themselves crazy with checking their pulse every two minutes and blood pressure and so on and so forth. I think a little prudence here is probably wise. You've been listening to Dr. Steve Nesson, Chief Academic Officer of the Heart and Vascular Institute at the Cleveland Clinic and Professor of Medicine at the Lerner College of Medicine. He has served as President of the American College of Cardiology. And Terry, I think Dr. Nesson makes an important point, and that is you can drive yourself crazy monitoring everything all the time. And so we had a friend who used to measure his blood pressure and he'd call us up and he'd say, my blood pressure's up a little bit. What should I do? And it's like, well, why don't you wait 15 minutes and take it again? <laughs> take a deep breath. Right. <laughs> take a walk. Um, but, but I think Dr. Nissen is also sort of an old-fashioned physician. And so the idea that patients could actually do their own electrocardiogram I remember when we spoke with Dr. Eric Topol and he talked about being on an airplane. Is there a doctor on the plane? And he mm-hmm. happened to have his, I think it was a, a cardia mobile. He was able to, to check the electrocardiogram and say, yes, land the plane now. This patient is having a heart attack. Right. Now, he was a doctor, but these devices are designed as consumer-friendly devices. Joe, we've got a call from... Peter in Ithaca, New York. Peter, welcome to the People's Pharmacy. 
we need to be able to drag Peter down into the All right, special me... place where he belongs. Here we go. Would you like me to try? Hi there. Can you hear me? There you yes, are, we can. Peter. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. Love to hear you from Thanks. Ithaca. What's up? Um, well, thanks, Joe and Terry, for all the work you do. And I was just calling with a point of clarification about home COVID tests. Uh-huh. My Great. Employer... Yes. What you got so, for us? So my employer provides us with um, home antigen tests uh, to, to try to ensure safety in the workplace. And they've made a point over the last couple of months of noting as they hand them out that the FDA has issued a 12-month extension on the, the valid date mm-hmm. for the, the brand that they're handing out. So I just wanted to see if you've heard about that and uh, if you have any comments on that, because I wouldn't e- want anyone throwing away those COVID tests if they're still valid. Absolutely. And there there is a way to look it up on the FDA website. Now, I have to admit to you, Peter, I find the FDA's website difficult to navigate, but I am not a digital native, and there may be other people who who um, don't find it quite as imposing. But there is a place on FDA's website where they list the uh, brands of COVID home tests that they have approved for extending the the expiration date. And so you will be able to tell if your brand is... Um, if if you have to throw it out or if it's still good, um, that 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 is definitely a thing, and um, it's worth paying attention to. You don't want to waste money or waste tests if you don't have to. We have an email, Terry, from Jim. Uh huh. He says checking your blood pressure with a wrist device versus uh, wearing it on your upper arm with a cuff. I've I've read the traditional cuff on the on the shoulder area are more accurate than wrist devices. My spouse insists that she wants a wrist device despite the apparent lack of accuracy. Do you know of a wrist device that is accurate for measuring uh, blood pressure? And you do. I do. I I have to admit that It's very pricey. I I spent 500 bucks on the latest and greatest Omron wrist device and it literally looks like a wrist watch and the the band expands it's got all kinds of gizmos and it's very fancy and it's very accurate but it irritated my wrist the plastic because mm-hmm. it is a plastic inflatable and so I did send it back for a refund and I have to say, I don't think most people are going to want to spend 500 bucks for a really high-end Omron wrist blood pressure monitor. But that particular one has been shown to be as accurate as the upper arm uh, blood pressure monitors. We don't have that kind of assurance for some of the other wrist monitors. But again, one of the best places to go is... Consumer Reports, right. because they evaluate both the wrist as well as the armband uh, type blood pressure monitors. And it's something that we highly encourage people to do at home if they have hypertension. And let's talk to Kate in Sneeds Ferry. Hi, Kate. What's Hi. going on? Hi. I was wondering, um, someone had called in earlier about uh, the safety of these home devices and... Um, I have an iPhone, like watch, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, and it really bothers my wrist. Um, the only reason I wear it is just so the kids can text me when I'm at work, whatever. Um, and I wonder, I know there's a magnet in it, and I wonder, is there any correlation between the magnet and the pain in my wrist? Because when I take it off, I feel like I'm like relieved. Like... Hmm. Physically and mentally. <laughs> okay, well, we but, we don't know of anything, Kate, but it might be that you might want to find a, a different way to um, t- to accept the texts from your from your kids, because if it makes your wrist feel bad, um, probably not a good thing for you to be wearing. We did get an email from Craig who says when he wears his Fitbit more than six hours, he gets a localized rash or irritation. That's kind of what Joe was talking about with this 
wrist-located continuous uh, blood pressure monitor. And we don't suggest that people should wear things that irritate their skin or that make their joints feel bad. We have an email from Anne in Tampa, Florida. Oh, it's actually a phone call. I'll let you move. Here we go. There she goes. And Anne in Tampa, welcome to the People's Pharmacy. Hi. Go um, ahead. My question. Should I ask my question now? You should, please. Absolutely. Yes. You're on the air. Okay. And then I have a comment as well. Um, yeah, I have heard uh, a few years ago, I heard that the Fitbit was kind of inaccurate, that there were a lot of things that weren't working properly on it, and people were getting uh, inaccurate readings, which they weren't aware of until they followed up. I just wondered if they'd fixed that. And the comment that I had was that I have heard repeatedly from reliable sources that the 10,000 steps was actually the invention of a Japanese marketer when pedometers first became popular back in the 70s. I think it was. He said 10,000 steps, and he thought that that would help people buy more pedometers. Right. So. That that part is true, Anne. Um, the... Um the 10,000 steps, it sounds much better in Japanese. It's got a, a, a nice catchy sound to it. And so it was a marketing, um, um, you know, promotional. On the other hand, it turns out that it's not that far off. Probably, it depends on how old you are, how many steps really are improving your health. But at least six or 7,000 steps a day is something that we should all be aiming for. And uh, 10,000 steps, you know, it's not a, a perfect goal, but it's not so terrible. Well, I think the bottom line is moving. Move your body. If you can do 3,000 steps instead that's, of 500, that would be a good thing. Yes, If exactly. you can do 6,000 steps, that's even better. And I think the Fitbits have become quite accurate. Quite accurate. And, and so, you know, it doesn't matter if it's well, instead of 8,433, it's actually 9,112. I mean, it, the real point here is, are you tracking your, your movement? And I, and I think that's really critical. The other thing is, um, what was the other part of the question? I think we addressed it. It was the 10,000 steps and the accuracy, accuracy. of the Fitbit. Good. So shall we talk to Mary in New Bern? Absolutely. Mary, welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I've been listening to you folks for many long years and reading your columns longer than that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. What's on your mind? Well, I'm a retired public health nurse, and one of the things that I have found uh, in dealing with the problem uh, about having to sit for a few minutes and calm down before they take your blood pressure is to take five or six very long, very slow, deep breaths. And you can do this while you're talking to the nurse. You can do this, you know, while you're uh, going through the procedure that they put you through. Um, and it does lower your blood pressure. The other thing that I would mention, and I have noticed quite a few of the um, people that take the blood pressure, again, uh, just like the lady pointed out, do not do it properly. The other thing I would mention is be sure you don't cross your legs. Oh, that is a very good thing to remind us all of, sort of like empty your bladder that we never think of. Uh, Mary, I'd like you to listen to an email we got from Anne. Anne says, I need a larger cuff, and I do much better with manual blood pressure readings. When the medical assistant slaps my arm into a standard cuff on an automated machine, the process becomes very painful for me, and my fingers start to get numb, and I become ready to howl. Many times when I ask for a larger cuff, they say they don't have one, and often they don't have a manual cuff or someone who knows how to use it correctly. I'm guessing... Mary, when you started taking blood pressure readings, it was all manual. It was. It was. And we did have a number of different size cuffs in the health department, thankfully. We also had a process where um, all of the blood pressure measurements were taken yearly to make sure they were correct. Well, thank you, for, thank you for sharing your experience. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye.
919-962-3366 is the number to call if you have a question or a story to share about tech and tools. And Terry, I mentioned glucose. I think everybody understands about that, but they don't realize that they can also now do home testing for cholesterol. You'll have to send it into a laboratory, but you can get your HDL, your LDL, and your LP little a. We've talked about that on the on the show before. It is a risk factor for heart disease and a very significant one. About 20 to 25% of people have elevated LP little a numbers. And if you have any of these numbers that are out of whack, whether it's your thyroid or your cholesterol, you'll need to go in and see your doctor and then get a laboratory-based test as well. Absolutely. And Joe, we got an interesting email uh, from Sarah who says, I have a watch that tells me about my sleep the next morning. I go to sleep around 10 o'clock and wake up around 6 and assume I'd had eight hours of sleep. But the device I wore overnight says... It subtracts the time that it says I was awake, even though I don't remember being awake. So that result is like seven hours of sleep. And the question is, when people say you need at least eight hours of sleep, are they talking about when you think you go to sleep? Or are they talking about what your device measures? And I think it's the first, because for a long time, we couldn't measure those micro arousals in the middle of the night, and we didn't know as Sarah doesn't know, that she is awake even though her device is measuring that she's awakened. Absolutely. Now, Terry, we walked into the studio today with my carbon dioxide monitor. Joe's favorite new tech. And, you know, it was about 400 when we walked in, so it was like the fresh air, just like it would be outside. Yep. Well, after almost an hour (laughs) of of Joe and me talking and breathing, it is now more than twice that. So, uh, yes, exhaling into the air. And this is why you use a carbon dioxide monitor. You want to know how many people are breathing in the same space that you're breathing in, because if they're not wearing masks, they could be spreading any germs they might happen to have. Exactly. And, and, you know, in a time of COVID and we hear COVID is back, so you want to have as much fresh air as possible. Joe, I don't think we have enough time for Christy in Seabrook Island, South Carolina, do we? No, we don't. Do we know what her question is? The, the question is actually a story, and I'd love to have the story because it's a positive experience with Cologuard, which is an at-home Uh, colon cancer screening. And I'm delighted to hear that there was a positive experience. So unfortunately, we'll have to wait until another opportunity. Absolutely. And we did have another question, an email from James about Cologuard. What questions do I need to ask my doctor when my Cologuard results return? We need to talk to our GI expert about that. Dr. Nicholas Shaheen. Well, thank you all so much for sharing your thoughts about tech and tools and tests. That's all the time we have today, but um, your insights have been most valuable, and for that we are very grateful. We want to also thank Dr. Alan Green, a pediatrician and the founder of Dr. Green, that's G-R-E-E-N-E dot com, drgreen.com. Uh, the Pioneer Physician website. He's founding president of the Society for Participatory Medicine. His first children's book, Flower Moon, was published in 2023. We also heard from Dr. Steve Nissen, chief academic officer of the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Nissen will join us next week to discuss his research on new ways to treat high cholesterol and LP little a. The People's Pharmacy is a co-production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, with The People's Pharmacy. Lynn Siegel produced today's show. Pamela Alberta and Ayasi Chinflu provided technical assistance. Al Wadarski engineered. Dave Graydon edits our interviews. The People's Pharmacy theme music is by B.J. Lederman. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. The National Wellness Month, adding cocoflavanols to your daily routine, can help with a strong heart and cognitive support. 
How can Cocovia be a part of your wellness habits? More information at Cocovia.com. Today's show is number 1,352. You can find it online at peoplespharmacy.com. You could subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcast provider. We post the show on our website on Monday morning. And if you go to peoplespharmacy.com, you can sign up for our free online newsletter. It's an easy way to stay on top of the breaking health news. By subscribing to our newsletter, you'll also have regular access to our weekly podcast and find out ahead of time which topics we'll be covering. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the People's Pharmacy Podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to bring you our award-winning program week in and week out. But producing and distributing this show as a free podcast takes time and costs money. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to produce high-quality, independent healthcare journalism, please consider chipping in. All you have to do is go to peoplespharmacy.com slash donate. Whether it's just one time or a monthly donation, you can be part of the team that makes this show possible. Thank you for your continued loyalty and support. We couldn't make our show without you.